0: The ARA acknowledges the traditional owners of the land where we have recorded this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present and recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as Australia's first traders, who utilise a sophisticated network of trading paths that have facilitated the exchange of goods, knowledge and culture for millennia.
1: Hi, I'm Paul Zara, CEO of the Australian Retailers Association. And welcome to the Retail Therapy Podcast, proudly brought to you by AWS. Having navigated the worst of the pandemic, businesses are now moving on to tackle the next big global disruptor in climate change. In this season, we're talking to business leaders, academics, and climate experts about their personal journeys and fighting for a more sustainable future. We'll also learn more about businesses and how they're meeting their sustainability targets. Joining me today is Kylie Ahern, the CEO and founder at STEM Matters, an agency that works with leading researchers to improve the way they communicate their stories across science, technology, arts, business and economics. Kylie is an award-winning publisher and entrepreneur with experience that spans media, telecommunications, science and education. In 2004, she co-founded Cosmos Media and launched Australia's top-selling science magazine, Cosmos. She's also the publisher and editor of thebrilliant.com.au, which showcases the work of people and institutions in the research and innovation space. Kylie is a passionate advocate for sustainability and climate change as well, and I'm delighted to chat with her today. Kylie, welcome.
0: Oh, Thanks, Paul. Great to be here.
1: So tell us about the work you do at STEM Matters and what led you to start that work. Why is it so important to support research in the science and technology space?
0: Well, I, I feel like I've got one of the best jobs around because I get to talk to scientists and researchers all the time around work that they're doing. So I actually don't come from a science background. I started in publishing many years ago and ended up in science because I, I worked on a science magazine right at the beginning called New Science. <laughs> yeah. So storytelling got me into science. And the whole role of STEM Matters is to help researchers, scientists, STEM organisations, so science, technology, engineering, maths, those organisations communicate science and, and research with a particular focus on great content as opposed to media, right? as opposed to being a PR agency. So it's really around publishing.
1: You've been working deeply in technology and innovation for quite some time. Where did that passion come from?
0: Yeah, so, so a few, look, it would have been Oh, gosh, I'm showing my age now. Around 30 years ago, so in the 90s, uh, traveling around the world. And I I grew up in Brisbane and did a business degree. It was the 80s when I did it. Everyone said, go study something that's going to get you a job. (laughs) So I never studied science. uh, And I actually wanted to go study French, but ended up doing a business degree. Didn't know what I wanted to do. There wasn't a lot happening in Brisbane. You know, you're either a doctor or a lawyer or accountant or something like that. And ended up in London around year two and found the publishing industry, which is so alive when you live in, when you go and work in these big cities, you all of a sudden see that you can just do anything Mm. and there's so much opportunity. So I started on publications called, uh, one was Stillwater Trout Angler, uh, railway magazine. So I had no idea that people were doing train spotting, sailing, and then eventually, I mentioned earlier, new scientists. That sort of started me thinking about science And that's how I really started into the sector. So it was a really slow sort of osmosis into getting into, into science.
1: But you're dealing though with very complicated topics, tech-heavy stuff that most of us wouldn't understand. I guess a part of your job is translating these complicated issues so people can get their heads around them.
0: Yes. Oh, look, I think we underestimate the public's interest in. In fact, I know we underestimate the public's interest in science. And as any science publisher will tell you, that the top-selling stories are physics, black holes. I think that there's it's sort of a bit of a disservice by media companies, right? And so there's a really big opportunity to, and it's not just people who are who've studied science. It's when I published my own science magazine, a lot of the readers were people that you just had no science necessarily science background, but mm. we're, you know, people who watch the Discovery Channel or yes. National Geographic or like David Attenborough. We're, we're very curious people. Yes. We're all curious. We want to know about the world. So I find if I can explain it to myself, you know, what someone's telling me in terms of science, I spend that time trying to really understand it. I can help explain it to someone else.
1: Very interesting. Uh, to tell us more about your career and how, did, how you got to where you are now. You founded a media company that launched Cosmos Australia's top-selling science magazine. How did that come about?
0: So I moved back to Australia and I kept working in publishing. I worked a bit in science publishing, worked in big publishing houses. And but to be honest, there's very few female CEOs of publishing houses in Australia compared to the UK, which was, I've got to say, far less sexist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I thought I really wanted to run my own media company at some point. I always knew that science was an obvious choice. There wasn't uh, myself and the my, one of my co-founders is a science editor, and we saw this space. So when, mm-hmm. when we were looking at the science market in Australia, 99% of sales were to overseas titles. Now, science is a global topic. But what it meant is that the stories of Australian scientists weren't being told. So we'd actually gone to Uluru for a holiday and then I went, OK, I've got to if I'm not going to I've got to do that this idea this year. I've got to I've I've got to stop thinking about publishing, launching my own business and, and get into it. So I gave myself and my then partner 16 weeks to sort of write a plan we pitched it to alan finkel dr alan finkel who was our chief scientist until recently but back then he just sold his business and within a few months we're up and away with with planning cosmos so that's how it came into shape and it was really it was beautifully written it's beautifully illustrated great photography the quality of how you communicate science is as important as the science itself. So we wanted something that was beautiful, became very popular. We won over 40 awards, including Magazine of the Year twice in Australia, and we really built that that science category. It was funny. My friends in media are all like, oh, you're going to have a chapter on chemistry, biology, physics, because everyone in media comes from arts, physics, and laws. So that's where there's a big gap between what the public want to read about and what the media publish because people who own media companies... Don't, come, don't have an interest necessarily in science. So there's a bit of fear there.
1: Why is there such an underappreciation for the research work that's been done in Australia and the advancements that have been made in innovation? And particularly we seem to be very poor acknowledging the globally important work that many women are doing in that space.
0: Yeah, look, I think science isn't very good at telling its own stories and uh, look, that's complicated mm. in itself. So I recently did a story for The Brilliant, my own pub, my new publication, around inventions from Australian research. If anyone can find these stories it should be me. Like I worked with I've worked with over 50 science organisations on you know I've been doing this for a long time. And I struggle to find the stories and those stories of success are hidden. So we talk about in Australia we're excellent at research. Excellent so like we rate really highly globally. Yes. Yeah. But our commercialisation is poor comparatively. But there's a world in between of amazing stories and we just don't talk about it. So that's part of the issue. With women, it's uh, also another challenge because in Australia, we have the lowest percentage amongst countries in Asia Pacific uh, for girls electing to take STEM subjects. We're at 27%, China's 76% and India's 69%. Mm. Mm. Girls young as six wow. are opting out and thinking they can't do science mm. or maths. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes through home, through education, through media. So having those visible role models is really important. And then when you look up, up higher in the, the chain, only 8% of CEOs or um, in STEM organisations are women, only 28% in management. And then when you look at venture capitalist funding, in 2019, only 2.8% went to women-led startups. And in 2020, that fell to 2.3%. So all up the chain, mm. you've got this lack of diversity and lack of representation. So there's a huge amount of, we really have to profile and, and promote yes. the women that are out there more so that we get that younger generation thinking, oh, this there is yeah. space for me. And it's not just gender, it's that a whole diversity. We need that diversity of thinking and lived experiences if we're going to tackle like global yes. issues or, or regional issues. Well,
1: as as they say, right, you can't be what you can't see. So we need visible role models to 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 make a right. make a change. So it's a good point that you raised. Now, you're also the publisher and editor of the brilliant.com.au. Tell us about it and the reasons why you launched it.
0: Yeah, so, okay, the, G, uh, not the GFC, <laughs> felt like the GFC, did. the pandemic hit. Yes. And that, that hit my business. I was thinking, well, what do I want to really do? I, you know, I still have clients, but it really stopped a few major projects happening. And I've had this idea for The Brilliant for a long time in my mind. So in terms of science communication, we don't invest in it. We don't value it. If you're in a media company, you're a journalist or an editor or you're a videographer mm. or a publisher. They're all different roles. But people on their websites, just content's just an afterthought and you employ someone and get them to do a range of specialist skills, but one person, it's, it's incredibly hard. So what I wanted to do was profile leaders in science communication globally as well as profile, you know, really interesting science. So there's a dual purpose there. And what's been really interesting, and it's very positive, yeah. Paul, like I think there's going to be a generosity with how we talk about people around us and highlight their brilliance and there's a diversity within it as well too what i have found is that the people who communicate the, the most innovation in science communication is coming from individuals not really institutions some yeah, institutions are incredible yeah so we we'll, so we're really relying yeah sorry
1: no 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 shoot absolutely
0: uh, we really need the creatives so we talk about communications as a skill and it's become so diverse like mm. tiktok any sort of social media instagram video they're also specialists and there's such a variety of Ages and skills there, and we've got, for example, you know, Derek Mueller Mueller from Australian Canadian. He launched Veritasium, and it's one of the biggest YouTube sites in terms of science globally. And he just launched it from Australia, and away he goes. And he's had about a billion views. Amazing, clocked a billion views recently.
1: Well, I was just going to say, if you haven't seen had a look at thebrillion.com.au, please do so. This is a really good um, prod for us all to have a look. So uh, thank you for sharing that.
0: AWS is committed to building a sustainable business for our customers and the planet. To drive collective cross-sector action on the climate crisis, we co-founded The Climate Pledge with global optimism on the conviction that businesses are responsible, accountable and able to act on the climate crisis. To find out how AWS can support you to modernise your business, to reach your organisation's sustainability goals, head to the link
1: in the show notes. Now, do you think we're investing enough in science? It, It does so much to improve our lives and transform our business. Does it get the attention it deserves from governments? What can we learn from overseas, do you think?
0: So, Look, we've got a bit of a culture war going on with science in Australia and climate. And, you know, universities were hit very hard with the pandemic, with losing their international students and then not being supported, like with JobKeeper. We're incredible in terms of our research outputs Mm. and research, fundamental research, like that blue sky research, that's the cauldron of innovation. That's where all industries, the economy depends on this incredible innovation that comes from our investment. So when I talked about earlier, I did this story around research invention. We're incredible at at what we launch and develop in this country. So I think investing in science is really important. When you look at, we always talk about Israel, right? How they're incredibly innovative. Well, we invest, I think, something like 1.79% of our GDP, as a percentage of our GDP in R&D, they spend 5%. South Korea, Germany and Switzerland spend more than 3%. So these, it's important to spend this money mm. because it's important for your industry. You don't want to be an adopter because you lose sovereign capability, you lose industry, you lose your jobs. Uh, yes. it's, so, it, it's, it's where everything starts.
1: Mm. You, I, and, look, I know you're passionate about climate change and the environment. I did read an article from 2015 about how you took your home at the time off the yep. grid, no electricity, no running water. Really keen to hear a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it was a nightmare, not because of the <laughs> – it's totally possible to do it. But what I realised, it's interesting project, Paul, is that we talk about the federal government, mm. the problem with the climate change denial, but actually we've got a greater problem with local council because if you think about what they control, how you build your house, the insulation, mm-hmm. what trees you plant, water tanks, they make being sustainable as a homeowner – so hard
1: yes good point
0: uh there's no consistency they hold you up if they can't work out what to do with you they don't talk to you Mm. they make i had i had someone make things up in council about the project and they eventually had to apologize about it so it actually makes it like why would you do it if it's really hard and even to the point that they wanted me to test the water in my water tanks and Mm -hmm. we've got two million houses in australia that use water tanks and they just they talk about being green, but they're not green. and if you look at the like, for example, our roads could be if they're a bit whiter, so if you put some white media on it, yes, it actually reduces what they call the urban island heat effect. So and these are often
1: very basic changes that would make a significant difference, wouldn't they, to the that overall would make- ecosystem. You know, That's right. Yeah, by and,
0: degrees, the, yeah. the West Sydney could be degrees cooler by yeah. just these simple. And plans. it comes
1: down to just roads, uh, the infrastructure, like and house choices where houses choose their roof tiles between dark tiles and light tiles can make a big difference to right. how about so there's just so much to do and in fact it sort of falls on individuals and and business to constantly learn develop use science as their main source of uh, information to make decisions and you know if everybody does their bit I guess we'd be better placed
0: absolutely and and we've just got to let people know what they can do and give them incentives to do it not mm. not uh, come between them and that innovation it wouldn't stop me doing it again. But I'd um, be less ambitious.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I completely understand. Um, You know, I guess, you know, as we've seen in this country, climate change has been a political football for far too long. Report after report highlights the case for change and you would see a lot of the research that's been done in this area. What do you think will be the greatest challenges for business as part of the transition to net zero emissions?
0: Well, definitely understanding the technologies that are out there and when they should invest and how they should invest. And I know that the University of Sydney, for example, are launching their net zero initiative, which is aimed at helping businesses of all sizes. Mm. And and that's the big challenge is, you know, for like a lot of us are small businesses. Yes. Um, But I actually think there's a, a greater issue in how we support small businesses and entrepreneurs and people trying to do things differently from our banking sector, our banking sector really doesn't support small business. That, you know, if you apply for a credit card as a business, you're lucky to get it. Whereas they just give it to you if on a personal basis. You yeah. know, in in the U US, there's advanced manufacturing banks and startup banks, and we just don't have that here. It's all focused on property, property, property. Yes, grants. So the export market development grant recently, it's it brings back seven to twelve dollars per. 1 dollar given out in grant and it's a Gosh. it's being completely wound down they're not calling it winding down but they're just giving out they're just reducing the grant levels to a point that's no there's no point applying right so there's all these types of things that happen and i've got a really great example there's a researcher called thomas mashmeier who's developed a solution to plastic waste so he can pretty much recycle 85% of plastics and turn it into fuel like and recyclable fuel and recyclable other plastic products. So incredible. He also does it with biomass, so offcuts from agriculture and stuff. He's had to build offshore because we don't have a sandpit like other countries mm. around developing new plants. So he he had to say he had to sh- prove that his plant, the emissions of his first plant, and you can't do that without having a first plant. So that if you had a sandpit and and overseas, there's very strict regulations right. around it. You could say, "Well, this is the emissions that my manufacturing plant is emitting," and 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 it could be followed through from there. Right. So he's had to build in Canada and the UK. So we've lost jobs, we've lost you know that over there, and he, he's he's blamed the climate wars.
1: Oh goodness! Well, when you when you think about climate change, what would you like to see from government?
0: I mean, I think we need to be moving pretty quickly to net zero by 2030 and then thinking how do we actually go from net zero to negative emissions. So that's really, um, we've got a lot of innovation, like, you know, you've seen New South Wales government are committing but the federal government not so much. So I think really when... You see people like um, Andrew Forrest with Mindaroo talking about how we need to start spending money preventing disasters, not the 90s yes. that we spend on disasters, we spend all the money after disasters have happened. So there's huge opportunities for Australia to build industries around net zero. We've got the incredible research. Mm. All, every, all the solutions we need are in labs. We've got all the technology that we need to resolve this. Mm. We just need governments to actually created an incentive and kind of get out of the way if they can't, you know, and create that it's really around that policy, isn't it? Absolutely. Understanding what what's coming out and, and how do we encourage businesses
1: to do this. And greater leadership, I guess. And I think if you think about the floods that we've experienced in uh, New- northern New South Wales and Queensland, and you know we've had bushfires in this country, it's very close to home when you think about climate change. Mm. Uh, it's a real reality for Australians around um, what we're seeing. We keep hearing the word unprecedented, but in fact, we plan to see more of it. So do you think this brings it home to people that might be deniers or not that interested in climate change when they're living through those experiences? Yeah, I
0: mean, I just wonder how much denial is out there compared to just a few people in Mm, Parliament. Good point. You know, and um, I think Australians want, I think we all want an easier life and um, being climate friendly doesn't make things harder. It it actually is better for all of, like, I don't know how you're feeling. I feel very stressed about the floods, the fires. I mean, we all felt just traumatised. So if we can avoid that and it's a healthier society and... Mm. At the same time, there's no reason why we we could be leading in terms of the technology and and building our economy around solutions rather than just sort of holding everything back just for the sake of ideology. It's just I don't, I don't think most people think it's a bit nuts, but unfortunately it's muddied. The no, water's I agree. muddied all the time.
1: Yeah. And do you yeah. think given what what we've all been through with COVID? Uh, and for many people, the floods. Do you think there's been any learnings by government just generally around, um, you know, from a disaster recovery, from a disruption point of view, that, you know, science is actually really at the core of where we should be commencing our research rather than anecdotal information? There's so much misinformation on so many topics, and I just wonder how science can play a greater role.
0: I think scientists have got to stop letting media... Tell their stories and start telling their own stories. So, if you think about where you go to for information, I think you should be going to a university website. They have so much information that could be beautifully written, or videos, or but at the moment, it's communication at universities is still done like it's it was the nineties. Like the media is the yeah, end person, point. so it's all about promotion. So if you look at, for example, if you Google a health issue, you end up on the Mayo Clinic website. It's a US health hospital. We all end up there or WebMD. And you could pick any topic and say, well, where do I end up on that topic? And there's no reason why you shouldn't be ending up on an Australian university website. But the mm-hmm. the the shift has to, has to be that communication of science is as important as the science itself. And until the sector accepts that, I'm not blaming the sector for, Misinformation. I'm just saying, there's this huge opportunity there to say we own the communication around this. The qu- quality of our research is going to be matched by the quality and innovation of our communication. It's no longer going to be an afterthought. It's it's central to what we are, what we do. And I haven't seen it yet.
1: Well, look, those of you listening that um, might be struggling with uh, putting a climate uh, action plan together or wanting to know more about sustainability, if you check out the www.retail.org.au website, you'll find um, under resources sustainability and a list of um, options in getting information around sustainability. Equally, um, you can sign up to the ARA net zero um, commitment uh, by 2050 or earlier, we're hoping Kylie Ahern, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on all the work you're doing and all the best for the future.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for joining me for some retail therapy. With special thanks to our seasoned partner, AWS, who can assist retailers navigating through their own sustainability journey with a wealth of practical resources. For more information, check out the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. We can be found wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. For more information about the work we do at the ARA, head to our website, retail.org.au. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, wherever you love to connect. All of the links can be found in the show notes.